Welcome to the podcast Benzo Tired. I'm your host, Naftal Benesti, and I'm Dutch. Join me on my journey into the world of benzodiazepines, withdrawal, bind, and more. Disclaimer, always consult your physician for medical advice. This is episode 40, Legacy, and today it's June 5th, 2023. Episode 40. <laughs> this is going to be an interesting episode. First of all, I'm baffled that I've made 40 episodes of a podcast series. But it's also very fitting, um, especially to make a taper update because I turned 40 in May this year. Yay! Thank you, thank you. I hear you all congratulating me. Thank you very, very, very much. Although I have to say my birthday itself wasn't that great <laughs> because of the taper stuff and everything. But um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Now, normally what I used to do was be very specific. Oh, I did the cut and then by day this, this and that happened and I got this and this symptom. I choose not to do that for this episode. What I will tell you is this. I tried to cut from five to 4.9. It did not go well. I tried it for about a week and I got so sick mentally and physically indescribable. I'm gonna spare you the gory details. Um, but it was really extreme and there was this one day the day after my birthday that was like okay i can't i just can't do this this is i'm not gonna make it if i do it so i decided to go back to five and what i will also tell you now is that it took me quite some time to kind of bounce back from that so um it wasn't just the cut itself um but also going back to five that took a long time for me to settle again onto like the baseline where i was at happy and sleeping well enough um yeah so that's basically what happened with the taper in a nutshell now obviously this was like okay now what do i do um let's just say i thought really hard about the future in so many ways in so many ways including the podcast series and i'm gonna have some important updates about that um, but I just knew that I couldn't taper from five, at least now, and that the conclusion would be indefinitely holding. And it was like, wow, I spoken about that option for so long. I just didn't want to do that. I really wanted to come off and I was really ready to go and face that and do it. Um, but I also know it's my prerogative to maybe stay on five forever. Um, I was like, you know what? I can think about this endlessly and stress over it, but I'm doing well on five milligrams of diazepam slash volume. I can walk, I can talk, I can think, I'm sleeping, be it broken, um, not always perfect, um, but I don't have the pathological insomnia where my brain goes dead and I can't think and uh, horrible, horrible. <laughs> and I'm not having seizures and I'm just very grateful for the way that I'm feeling, um, which is saying something. So I was like, okay, um, this means a lot. It really means a lot. So and I've got to start somewhere. And I'm going to start with when I knew that I was going to stay on five. And definitely I was like, I need to leave psychiatry because I came out worse than I came in. Um, I was reassigned to another psychiatrist. His name is Eric. He's an asshole, by the way. He gaslighted me. He said, um, echothasia is not a benzodiazepine withdrawal symptom. I was like, what the fuck, dude? It's naphthal, bitch. I've done my research. Yes, it is. Um, what do you think it is then? Yeah, I don't know. I was like, okay, well, 
you may be a self-proclaimed expert, but I think I know more. And I just felt unsafe with this guy. And being so far along in my process, I was like, I'm not going to let anyone tell me what's true and isn't true. You know, I'm open to ideas, but, you know, um, perhaps another episode, but psychiatry in, in the Netherlands, and I'm guessing a lot of country countries, if not any any other country, it sucks. They don't know about benzos. Um that will be fascinating material to do an episode about, by the way. But anyways, um, so I went back to Joelle. I think I named her in episode one or two when I call her Jay, you know, for privacy. But see, I'm, seeing that I'm no longer with them, fuck that. <laughs> it's, her name is Joelle. She was overall really cool. Um, I had a conversation with her like, hey, you know, I just need a prescriber. And, you know, my GP can do that. I don't need you. Um, if I ever want to come off, I think I know the way or ways. Um, there's nothing that you can do for me. You've kind of been unhelpful. <laughs> you almost kind of murdered me with your bad advice. And yeah, we had an interesting chat and she was talking about maybe I could be become an expert, experienced person, whatever, a title that they have. Um, I think the odds are pretty slim, you know, that would be kind of that episode, but, um, let's, let's, let's wait until they come with a proposal, but I don't think they're really keen and waiting for someone who knows their shit. Um, okay, so there's the whole psychiatry kind of thing. So, if all goes well, or this should happen, I'm not worried at all, um, but if, if something does happen with this, I'll, I'll let you know, obviously. Um, she's going to make a report. It's going to go to my GP, and he's supposed to, you know, give me my prescription, and that's what he does best. Just keeps prescribing and prescribing, but maybe I'll um, uh, book an appointment with him and go through everything. It's so weird to be in touch with him. Uh, I tried to switch GPs. It didn't work. Um, but obviously I, um, do not like my poisoner. You could say prescriber, but I prefer poisoner. Um, but yeah, so that's that. So I left psychiatry. My prescription sh should be settled. I shouldn't worry about that. So then all of a sudden, after all this time, I know I'm not off. I know I'm very aware and there's going to be a lot of opinions about this. I know this. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, after kind of um, bouncing back from, from that thing again, I was like, oh, what if I actually get better? <laughs> what if I actually get better? I've been so focused on this whole benzo story. And that goes really deep. Um, before I even started the podcast series, I was like, how did I get here? I got my answers. I got a lot of answers. <laughs> and there are multiple answers. Well, I guess the main answer would be is I could have never known this, that this would happen to me. Um, in my insert pamphlets, they do list some side effects, some pretty bad ones too, but they don't really say that tapering can last years, you could die. Basically, the stuff that I would want to know. <laughs> um, so a conclusion is that you really cannot trust insert pamphlets or your doctors. You really need to go online and figure shit out. And that's not how I was raised. You know, I was raised by, you know, you need to trust your doctor. There's insert pamphlets, blah, 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 blah. Anyways, you know the whole deal. Um, but I was like, okay, what if I actually get better? And I had to really do a deep dive. And I, I did a deep dive. And perhaps in another episode, I will go very in deep with you guys and share my in-depth experiences and everything that I kind of found in my past and, and, and traumas. Although I have to say most of my traumas, I have, I have like a whole collection of, tra of traumas. This was the worst one by far, the benzo thing. Um, 
But I used to, before I got sick from benzos and tinnitus, I, I was very down to earth and doing deep dives on a regular basis and um, trying to, you know, get better at life, you know, be the best version of myself, whatever you want to call this. Um, and I was doing really well in my life. Um, the only thing that wasn't going well was my job. Um, and I, I can talk forever about my job. But um, uh, one of the things that I will tell you for now is that I came to the conclusion doing this deep dive, like my job was a part of me taking the benzos. Um, it's complicated, like life is. Um, anyways, uh, I guess I can tell you guys that I really didn't like my job. I didn't have a lot of other options. And I was desperate to keep a job, that job because of the salary was very good. Um, I, I had flexible hours and me with the sleep. And I, I was able to start at 9.30 at that job, which is a luxury. And I, I was desperately trying to hold on on a job that I didn't like, which I was, at the same time, I was really trying to escape that job and trying to get educate, educations and just, you know, applying and it didn't work out. Long story. Anyways, the other thing was like, wait, if I'm not actively tapering, you know, all I've been doing is surviving and checking out if long holding works for me in the end it does, I guess, but I've really been surviving and, you know, cutting or updosing or whatever with this whole benzo trip journey and kind of letting you guys know how that went and how it goes. Um, and it was, that was like all this time I've been doing that gladly because I want to educate and want to share and everything. Um, but I wasn't really thinking about what if I actually get better? What if I jump? Uh, what will be the future? Um, and recently I've really have been digging into that. And I have some answers, you know, nothing is set in stone, but I, I do have some ideas about my future. And this whole benzo thing, I will, I can't let this go. <laughs> I can't let this trauma, this horrible thing that happens to so many of us. I want to do something back for the community. Although I have to say, I feel like I've done that so far. I've been doing it so far. And it's something that I like to do, making these, these podcast series. It does not pay the bills, though. Um, so that is that is the thing, you know. But, you know, all of us, and I'll, I'll, I'll just speak for myself. Like, financially, the benzos have been a destruction, <laughs> <laughs> like evaporation of money because you lose your job, et cetera, et cetera. You can probably relate. So um, it's horrible, but I have the time to do it. But if I'm going to go back to work, I may have less time. So no, I'm, I'm being very chaotic in this episode, but it's just how I am currently. Like so many things that I would want, right? I want I want a job so I can make money, so I can support my partner equally. You know, I'm dependent now <laughs> financially and bless his heart, I could have never have done any of this. I wouldn't have survived without him, but I couldn't have made this podcast series without him. Um, so I'm eternally grateful for his love and his support and everything. But obviously as a partner, you know, you want to chip in. And um, that is something that I've been really thinking about a lot. Now, I want to dive into what I've learned so far in this benzodiazepine journey about benzos. And there's a lot. I learned so, so many things by really researching this. Where to even start? I, I could fill 20 episodes with all the stuff that I learned, but um, that's not going to happen. I, I guess I would want to start with that bind or uh, the benzo withdrawal syndrome, just getting deathly ill. <laughs> 
tapering these drugs, it's not known to a lot of doctors and psychiatrists that this can happen. And it's baffling because so many people have been describing this like since the 50s or 60s. Um, that doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, whoever, they do not recognize benzo withdrawal a lot. And that's horrible. It's horrible. And even, you know, I've had I've heard so many stories of people saying, hey, this is what's happening to me. I found this online. <laughs> Look at this Astro manual. And then still doctors are sometimes not willing to believe that that is happening. So there is a giant gap between the medical community and the real world. And it's horrible. So, you know, doctors need to be trained. And, you know, I get why people get conspiracy theories, you know, is who is teaching these doctors? Is it big pharma? Blah, blah, blah. So um, not to dive too much into that. But yeah, there. There's reason to believe that, you know, why is this still happening after so many years? I guess it's all about the money or whatever. Um, our system just sucks. It's fucked. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. And that's why people feel, feel so alone because they're not being believed. So that is something that I, that's number one thing that I've learned is that doctors do not recognize it or acknowledge it. And then it's you versus a doctor versus a prescriber. And that is just horrible. And it's saying something about these specific doctors, because I think I don't understand this because they took an oath, right? Of Hippocrates, blah, 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 something, some guy, some Greek guy from, from the past. But they took a, a, an oath, you know, do no harm. And they're harming us. They're harming patients. And I guess, you know, you know, doctors, psychiatrists, whoever, they're human too. Well, if they're good humans, they will listen to the patient. And unfortunately, that is not happening always. So I think it's, um, that is just very, very disappointing that we have a lot of doctors and psychiatrists who just don't believe us. Even if we provide them all the information, they're still like, mm, no, we don't believe you. So that is very, very tragic and very sad. I've also learned that benzodiazepines are hardcore drugs and they are kind of socially accepted. You know, as a Dutchie, I watch a lot of American TV shows and movies and Xanax, you know, from time to time will come up. Like, oh, I forgot to take my Xanax or I need a Xanax, which is Alprazolam. And it's condoned, it's normal. <laughs> In the Netherlands, all these generic names, they kind of end with Pam or Lamb. Um, the Dutchies will say, oh, I'm taking a Pam. And it's normal. And that is kind of that that narrative needs to change because if on TV or just, you know, if you go to work like, oh, I'm so stressed, I forgot to take my shot of heroin, that would not be accepted. So for some odd reason, these benzodiazepines are just very socially accepted <laughs> for like normal use. I don't get it. And, you know, I do get that if you take a benzo, on occasion, which I wouldn't, you know, prefer, it's um, maybe not that dangerous. But, you know, that's the, the the sneaky thing about these drugs. If you take them every day for an X amount of time, you know, you can be physically dependent and you can have a hellish taper. And um, I, you know, so I, I figured this out, but I also have a lot of solutions, which will come later in this episode. But I'm like, wow, how is this socially acceptable? <laughs> how is this still socially acceptable? I think 
that is wrong. I also learned that some people get into this big, dangerous mess of a taper, myself included. I My taper was horrible, it was inhumane, and it just, it never should have gone that way. And by the time that I kind of became active on benzo buddies, I was kind of functional, but still really sick, I guess. And I, I you know, psychiatry filled me over there, right? Because I, I told them I was deathly ill and I didn't know what was happening. And then I started slowly to figure out what was happening to me. I really needed some intervention. And this is what a lot of people, in my opinion, need intervention. I was so sick. I was cognitively so declined that I didn't know about benzo coaches or where to find help. So I, I think I sought help in a way on benzo buddies. And I'm just going to be honest. No one told me what I needed to hear. <laughs> and that's just, I'm, I'm not going to go in depth here, but if someone really looked at my signature with my history of benzos, someone should have stepped in and be like, hey, you are on a very fast, dangerous way with all your seizures. You're not okay. Let's have a sit down and discuss your options. That didn't happen. That being said, I think the forums like Benzo Buddies, they are a great, great way to get in touch with one another. Um, but what I would have preferred, because there's, you know, all these good websites out there like forums and there's BIC. That's a great uh, source of information, but you have to know that BIC exists. I didn't even know BIC existed, I think. Um, but I think it would be great if we have a website like, okay, hey, welcome to Benzo Hell. You're really sick because of the, these reasons. Get informed, start here, go there. And then if you want taper advice, these are the people that can help you with that. Um, I really miss that. I also learned that benzodiazepines are taking lives. They're killing people. And it's just bizarre that the world seems to be okay with that. Well, I'm not okay with that. And a lot of people aren't okay with that and trying to advocate for the cause, and that's good. Um, I also learned, I learned so many things, but I also learned that a benzo taper will probably last or take years, you know? Um, and not only uh, the jump, but afterwards, there's some healing to be done. No one will tell you that. No doctor will tell you, hey, if you take benzodiazepines on a daily basis, you might experience a taper that will last for years. You may lose everything. I also learned how stealthy these benzos are, that they can alter your brain, your behavior, without you really knowing it. So there's just so much information lacking in the insert pamphlets or on the boxes. I also learned that a lot of people don't even know that they're taking a benzodiazepine, what that means. So people need to be educated. And when it comes to sleep, and I learned this just before my taper actually, there is no pill for sleep. There is no thing as a sleeping pill. It does not exist. These benzodiazepines, they will tranquilize you, which could make you sleep, but it's not actual sleep. And this was my biggest lie that I told myself or that I was told because I, in the Netherlands, they say benzodiazepines are sleeping and tr tranquilizer pills. But there's no such thing as a sleeping pill. So this needs to be told to, to the world. Hey, if you're struggling with sleeping, there is nothing for that except for cognitive behavioral therapy and doing a deep dive and figuring the fuck out why you can't sleep. Take rest. It's code red. It's your body telling you there's something really wrong. There's no sleeping tablet. There is a tranquilizer that can help you with sleep. 
um, but it's not real sleep. It's not the sleep that you need. Maybe, maybe for like an emergency, but unfortunately there is no cure in terms of chemical, chemically for insomnia. It does not exist. And I know for a fact that in my country, the culture, the society, they talk about sleeping pills. You know, oh, if you have, if you really have trouble sleeping, you can take something for that. That is wrong. <laughs> Even the natural stuff. Maybe they can soothe your GABA a little bit, but there is no pill that will, will cure insomnia. The world needs to know this. Now, like I said, I can talk about this for hours, um, but I guess the main thing that I want to say is there should not be a reason. There should not be a doctor. There should not be a prescriber that prescribes you benzodiazepines longer than a couple of days, unless you're in withdrawal and whatever. As long as this keeps happening, and as long as doctors aren't held accountable for whatever this is happening, this will keep on happening. So there needs to be change for sure. Um, and our system is just broken. I'm guessing this is this is an international. It is an international problem. But one of the international problems is that I don't. What I don't understand is when doctors prescribe you benzodiazepine with these repeat prescriptions. You know, it's just here's a pill, go away, leave me alone, whatever. Something like that's the vibe that I'm getting. What should be happening, and this is where the medical community is kind of cut off from reality, or what we really need is. There's probably an underlying reason why someone would get a, a benzodiazepine. I think it's just surreal that people are being sent home with these repeat prescriptions and hope for the best. What should be happening is that the doctor should have some sort of knowledge about, oh, there's something really wrong with you. I want to see you after a few days after I prescribe the benzos and also telling you up front, this is a short-term fix. I will not be prescribing you benzodiazepines for the long term because it can be life-threatening. It can cause so much damage and it's just, it's baffling really. And um, just, you know, I'm going to go towards the solutions part on my end, what I think could be solutions, but it's just, it's wrong. Solutions aplenty that I have, um, but I would say the first solution that I would offer for the world is the black box warning. On the box, you know, every information that we have in the insert pamphlets, but I guess, so the first thing would be, you know, um, we have all these brand names, right? And we have the generic names. Let's stop using brand names. The Xanax, the Clonopin, it's got to go. Let's just go international and say clonazepam and alprazolam. That's so for awareness sake, you know? And then on the box, there should be a really big fat warning about the dangers. Also, edu just education, a lot of edu education. Just on the box, there should be, in my opinion, it should say, this is a benzodiazepine. Clonopin, Xanax, Ativan, just... Those can be small letters, but this ben, you're getting a benzodiazepine. It's dangerous if you use this on a daily basis or just even a few days or whatever. Big fat warning because it's hardcore drugs, you know, um, and that was kind of my misconception that I was getting a medicine, 
a medicine. This is not a medicine because when I think about the word medicine, it's supposed to heal you or cure you. Benzos do not heal or cure shit. So I don't know. I mean, it's because I've been through hell. You know, I really, I've been through hell. I almost died and I cannot fathom that I would go to a pharmacy, get this little white box with ending with Pam and not saying, look, by the way, this can potentially kill you. I am just, it's just baffling. So um, my solution, number one, big warnings on the box. That's solution number one. Number two, really create awareness, really create awareness to every single human being what a benzodiazepine is. And even if so, because I, I've heard in the community about informed consent, I have strong opinions about informed consent because how can can someone inform, do informed consent about this could potentially kill you? It's just, oh yeah, I'm t I, I, I just can't imagine that someone is like, sure, I'm going to take this for a couple of months, hope for the best, I need a solution now. And it may kill me and I just, or or even worse, that 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 torture, the hell, I just, no. This, no, so I would say, and there's gonna, gonna, maybe I'm gonna get some backlash on this, but I would say, fuck informed consent. This is just, I'm just gonna give you this for a couple of days. The end. <laughs> there's, there's not gonna be a discussion because I am a doctor and I took an oath to not cause harm. So if I prescribe this more than a week or two, I will be potentially doing you harm. I'm not doing that. I could not, if I were a doctor, I could not do that because I know it could lead up to someone dying or suffering a lot. In terms of insomnia, because a lot of people are being prescribed benzodiazepines for insomnia for whatever reason, it can be anything. But I really feel that GPs, because you know, a lot of people just end up with their GP desperate because they haven't slept and they're losing their mind. I think the GP should really refer you to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. Um, but also, it's kind of tricky because, you know, you may get a bad psychiatrist who's just going to prescribe you pills. But um, you really need someone to talk to. There's something going on and you need to change something in your life. Um, I think my GP would have helped me a lot by just writing me a sick note and be like, hey, insomnia and tinnitus. I'm going to dive into tinnitus a little bit later. Um, but pathological insomnia and you're losing your shit something is really wrong you're at the verge of a crisis what's going on with you i or i don't have the time to help you that would also be an honest you know answer but you need to go and see someone because if you keep this up it's not going to go well so that is another solution that i would have I want to touch on tinnitus because I have a shrieking tinnitus. I thought I would never be able to cope, but in the end, I did cope with that. Um, like benzo withdrawal, there's so many similarities. So tinnitus is not vastly understood by the medical community. You know, um, it took me five years to get specialized treatment, and by treatment, that means explaining what tinnitus was to me. You know, there's no solution. There is no fix for tinnitus. Um, doctors often downplay that, like benzoyl withdrawal. They gaslight you, <laughs> you know? Anyways, I, I vaguely remember trying to look information about tinnitus online, um, but it can be life-altering for people. It was life-altering to me, and I did not get the appropriate help for that. So there needs to be a solution for that. There needs to be, every country needs to have some sort of center that specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy for tinnitus, 
and all GP psychiatrists should refer you to that because that, in the end, that really helped me to accept my tinnitus. And for me, it was learning about it. What is tinnitus? It's a neurological problem. Now, tinnitus and benzos, we can have a whole episode on that one um, because I know people get tinnitus during benzo withdrawal or just on benzos. Um, I definitely had extreme magnified tinnitus in my withdrawal, um, but that's kind of like another topic or that's not for this episode. When you have tinnitus and you're losing your shit because of that, you just really need something else than benzodiazepines, especially long-term. You know, if it's really a crisis, like, oh, I'm losing my mind because of this tinnitus and it's panic, panic. Like, if someone would come to me and say, like, oh my gosh, I have this tinnitus and it's driving me nuts and they're not on benzos and they can't sleep and they're losing their shit, what I would tell them is to really take rest and really take some time off on whatever it is that they're doing. They need to do that, in my opinion, so that they can live on with their tinnitus. But keeping the show on the road, same as insomnia, you know, people feel like, oh, I have to work. I have to do this. I have to do that. All these obligations. That is going to backfire. That's going to make the tinnitus worse. So that would be my kind of solution. But it can be a very serious, underestimated problem. So we need more, you know, people helping for the tinnitus part. And we need GPs knowing where you can go. Like my GP totally downplayed it like, oh, that's something you got to learn to live with. Goodbye. And in fact, he wasn't lying. It is something that you have to learn to deal with it. But how, you know, there needs to be a how. People oftentimes, I couldn't deal with my insomnia. I couldn't deal with my tinnitus. I needed help. So like benzo withdrawal, tinnitus is a very serious thing, or it can be, and you need specialized help for that. Now, I really wanted to say all the things that I just said before. I just was waiting for the right time to say all of these things. And I was thinking maybe I would have done that when I jumped and, okay, this is it, and this is what I learned, and blah, blah, blah. But because I'm gonna hold for such a long time, um, I wanted to do this for this episode. There can be a lot of debates about me holding on five milligrams indefinitely or for a very long time. Let me start off by saying that this is not a very common thing and I don't want it to be a common thing. This is an option, but I would totally inspire everyone if they can handle the taper and they can handle the cuts, even if it's pretty rough, but you know, manageable. Please, I do believe it's better on the other side. I do believe that. I'm just not ready to take that last step for the five milligrams. So I don't want people like, oh, long holding and, and you're staying on the benzo forever or very long. That that seems like a good option. It's not because honestly, I'd rather be off. Again, I do believe it's better on the other side and that most of the healing will happen afterwards. And holding indefinitely is not holding forever. I will try again. I just don't know when. Now, as you may or may not know, I read a book last year about someone basically doing a very, 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 very long hold or an indefinite hold, a decade at least. Um, that person seemed to be doing well or seems to be doing well and seems to be living her life. This may be my future. Um, this may be not my future. Um, it's unclear to me if this person would have waves or windows or, you know, everyone is so different. So I can only speculate. Um, I remember 
the past episodes where I talked about it a lot. And I was like, oh, it's an option. Um, it's not what I wanted, though. But I was like, okay, this is an option that I just never had considered up till then. And I will update you on my personal life, which will include symptoms or no symptoms or waves or windows or whatever. Um, so yeah, in a way, you know, I remember back back in the day, um, long before I started this podcast series. So I started this podcast series in October 2022. But in February 2022, I was like, I, I gotta read, I gotta write a book because this is just horrible and I, I have to warn the world. And I thought, you know, I'm gonna write a book. And then I was like, oh, but before that gets published and before my journey comes to an end, it'll, it'll be years. And, you know, I came to this idea of making a podcast series, which is basically kind of like an open book in a way. You know, I'm an open book. Um, and I, I don't regret making the podcast series because sometimes there were moments when I regretted it. I'm going to full disclosure here because I've had really dark times in my taper where I was really like, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. What will happen if I don't? Uh, and then people in the community will say, oh, yeah, there was this guy. He made a podcast, but he died. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? You know, but I'm OK. And I don't regret it because I just wanted to share my it's kind of like a blog, you know? Um, so I don't regret it. And along the way, um, I've met some beautiful souls, you know? I've met all these great people and everyone's so committed to the cause, you know, trying to spread awareness. Um, and some people just clawing their way through the taper. And it's been a gift. It's been a coping mechanism. And it's been a gift in so, so many ways. Uh, it, you know, what's really interesting too, and I'm kind of choking up here because I'm so happy and sad and everything, just grateful, is I, I wanted to become an educator. I wanted to become an English teacher. That didn't happen. But look, guess what I'm doing now? I'm speaking English and I'm educating the, the world. So um, it's just been um, a massive gift, this podcast series. I never, ever thought it would turn out to what it was. So the, the journey of that podcast series, this podcast series has just been such a gift. And for the first time in a long time, I am excited about the future. I am looking forward to it. All the things that I've learned about life, doing the deep dives, being so deathly ill because of benzodiazepines, learning the truth about what they are and how the world works and, you know, the bad things too. Um, but I am alive and I am happy and I can think and I can talk all these things and I can use that, you know, I can use that to educate people about benzodiazepines and one of my, I have a lot of dreams and if I'm sleeping and happy and healthy, um, I can actually work towards the dreams, you know, and one of my dreams, I have many dreams, but one of the dreams is really getting into the medical community in one way and educate them that this is a real thing and this is not okay over prescribing and all that stuff because in the end we need the medical community to change you know all the people that are listening to my podcast series they've probably been harmed like me with benzos but we want to get to the people that don't even know that this, this exists you know we have to inform the world and i I can take my part in that. You know, this podcast series is a way of doing that, uh, which I'll keep doing or intend to do. 
but I really want to get out there and talk to GPs, you know, get get my foot in the door. So that will be a part of that. But I'm also very realistic. Um, you know, this whole oxygen mask theory, I believe sacredly in that thing, you know, like you have to be well, you have to be okay yourself before you can like share energy or your time with other people. So first goal is to get as healthy as I can, despite the benzodiazepines, um, have my, you know, rest balance in, in life, get a job, get an income, contribute to the household, contribute to my partner, being a good partner to my partner, <laughs> being a good mate, as you will. And getting healthy, um, getting back into fitness, because I remember that was such a gift that I learned before benzodiazepines. I used to be overweight, and then I got in, in shape, and that was such a gift, you know, that really boosts your serotonin and makes you happy, and then you look good too, and then, you know, unfortunately, that's the way the world works and how we are programmed. We are trained to, like, you know, recognize hot people over, you know, less attractive people. Um, so all in all, um, that is something that I want to work on. I remember, <laughs> I remember this is funny and tragic at the same time. I remember not knowing anything about benzo withdrawal and thinking, oh, I'll just do this in a month and I hope I'll be able to work out, keep working out because I was working out a lot. And then of course I got deathly ill. Um, so I have some training to do to get back in shape the way I was before all of this happened. So I'm going to work on myself and... When I work on myself, I will be able to work for others. That's kind of my, you know, philosophy. And with everything said and done, I want to leave a legacy, especially for the Benzo community, which is this um, podcast series. And who knows what I'll be able to achieve in the future in terms of the Benzos. Um, I guess that's why I became a social worker, because I wanted to help people. And in a way, you leave a legacy because you've touched a person's life and for the better. That's what I always wanted to do. That's like the deep, deep core of my being, my soul. I wanted to help people. And my kind of philosophy is helping people by educating them um, for a whole long reason story. I ended up not becoming an English teacher, but I became an, a social worker. And I loved it because, you know, we're all educators in a way. You know, whatever that it is that you do for a job, for a living as a person you will touch lives. That's what we do. We touch lives, hopefully for the better. Um, but I'm very happy to leave this legacy, even though it's not over yet, you know, my story. So um, I hope people appreciate it. I've had some good feedback. Thank you for that. And just you listening. Um, and if you're in benzo withdrawal, I it gets better. I want to tell you, it does get better. This is not going to last forever. Just educate yourself the best that you can and advocate for yourself the best as you can. Benzodiazepine withdrawal is real and it is horrible. Um, get the right help, I would say. I would even motivate people to get a benzo coach. I'm not a benzo coach, but if you're really in the deep dive and, you know, in, in a bad spot, you know, there are people that can help you. Unfortunately, usually it's not our doctors or psychiatrists. Um, but you can get a psychologist or just a benzo buddy. You should not do this alone. That is, I guess, one of my advice is don't do this alone. Get 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 a benzo buddy, get a coach, someone. You should not be doing this alone because it can feel like the loneliest thing ever. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the episode. Be well, be safe. Remember, it's not a race. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, go to paypal.me slash